radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 74, recorded on Friday, September 16th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we'll talk about how Republican governors are using asylum seekers as political pawns. But first, the headlines. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. We had a lot of good news last week, Jason. I was really happy about that. So which bad news headline do you want to start with this week? (laughs) Yeah, not a lot of good news here, except at the very end. Well, how how about this? We are a progressive show, so let's let's hit Republicans first. We'll do Democrats second, because we have bias. (laughs) For those of you who haven't heard, Senator Lindsey Graham introduced a bill to ban abortions nationwide after 15 weeks, something no one ever saw coming at all. Nope, never would have guessed that a Republican Senate would propose a national abortion ban. I thought it was about states' rights. It is about states' rights, man. That's why I heard. In fact, that's what exactly some Republicans are still trying to argue for right now. So how dumb is Lindsey Graham here? Like that that's I think the first bang question. Where abortion's clearly the biggest argument people have right now against Republicans and against voting Republicans in a contested midterm. But he comes in with a battering ram, just causing all sorts of chaos and anger among other Republicans. And showing all of the voters exactly what the Republican plan for the future is. So what do you think his goal with this was? Because he clearly didn't run this past other Republicans because other Republicans are not happy. Personally, I think this is his attempt for like the big time. Like He thinks that a 15-week abortion ban is the most popular option. And he's going to be the one to be the first to propose it so that it shows his leadership in the Republican Party. And maybe Lindsey Graham 2024 oh god no but instead he dramatically misinterpreted the uh read the room wrong if you will and is now being yelled at by people from chuck schumer to jesse waters on fox news yeah it's i think even charlie kirk too wasn't it a little bit i hadn't seen that i I saw jesse waters screaming at him and lindsey graham defending his position and saying it's because of his moral values and then jesse waters being like well yeah I mean, me too, but but you can't do that. (laughs) that right before the midterms. Well, I mean, he literally it's announced my... this as other Republican candidates were taking off all their abortion stuff on their own website because they knew how extreme and unpopular they were. Mm-hmm. So now you're forcing them back into the conversation saying, well, so what's going to actually happen now? Are you actually going to vote on a abortion bill or not? And you can't just say it's going to be states rights anymore because they're clearly going to bring it up. Right. So yes, political hot potato two months before, less than two months yeah. before the midterms. Good job, Lindsay. One of my favorite reactions to this was, I think it was from Ben Rhodes, who said, every time Lindsey Graham speaks, it's better for Democrats. Thank God Lindsey Graham speaks a lot. So let's turn our attention to the Democrats then. And here's my thing, Jason. Republicans gonna Republican. They're gonna do the abortion bans. I understand that. But I get so angry (laughs) when Democrats keep doing Democrat things. Snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory? Or cowering just like whims. I, I don't know, man. It's awful. Our own Senator Tammy Baldwin here in Wisconsin recently announced that the Democratic senators are going to punt on the Respect for Marriage Act, which is known as the Same-Sex Marriage Bill that 
would grant equality marriage or equal rights for marrying two same-sex couples and officially codify that because we can't trust our Supreme Court anymore. And they're going to do that after the midterms. Instead of forcing Republicans to vote whether or not they would like to protect the rights of same-sex married couples. Why would they do this? I, I have been trying to wrap my head around it ever since I heard the news and I cannot figure it out at all. I'm trying to even think of it from like the most cold calculated political strategist move at all and even then it is so stupid well i can give you the reason like the the this is the reason why story it's naive but the reason why they are going to wait until after the midterms is to get this past the filibuster they need 10 republicans to support the bill they have been told now i don't know this for a fact but i can pretty much assure you this is what's been reported at least they have been told by multiple republicans that they would support this bill yep only if they wait until after the midterms. Yep. So the reasoning given by Tammy Baldwin is that, yes, she would rather do it now versus later, but ultimately she would rather it get done versus not pass or not pass the filibuster. Which is nonsense. Because you have to rely on Republicans telling the truth and sticking by their word. Things that they've consistently shown they will not do. Well, and the only thing and we've talked about this before the only thing that keeps politicians accountable is whether or not they're going to stay in power when you make them try to stay accountable after they're in power they don't have to do anything because they're already in power and why would republicans ask you to wait until after midterms because they know that it's probably going to cost them a seat or two if you have the vote ahead of the midterms at least that's what they suspect so wouldn't it be easier to just have the seat or two and have enough progressive democrat senators like mandela barnes like john fetterman who have committed to eliminating the filibuster and then you can pass those same-sex marriage protections without needing any republican support but no we would rather rely on the word of republicans and hope that they don't change their mind in two months it makes literally no sense to me other than we're trying to do democrats are trying to do the democrats thing again and just literally playing nice when they shouldn't be play a little bit of hardball when you're trying to fight for civil rights just a little bit of hardball it's all about comedy oh my god i'm so sick of just and again this is the trope of do nothing democrats again i'm just so sick of it so our next story will start in jackson mississippi where the capital city of mississippi a state in the richest country in the world has been under a boil water order for more than 40 days and what does a boil water order mean? That the water coming out of the taps in the city of Jackson is not safe to drink. You know... I think, if I remember correctly, Mississippi's under some pretty woke leadership, isn't there? If I remember correctly, uh, I, I they're think a pretty you, blue state, right? You might be mistaken. Are you that. sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, they're not the like reddest state in the entire well, country? Well, let me put it to you this way. The governor's stated solution for all of this is to privatize the water infrastructure. Oh, good. So that should tell you what kind of political establishment you have in Mississippi. <laughs> and if that doesn't show what type of political establishment you have in Mississippi, maybe this related story will, as texts show former Governor Phil Bryant worked with 
ex-Packers quarterback Brett Favre. Hey, and ex-Vikings. No, no, that and never happened. Ex-Vikings. That never happened. <laughs> he took. He almost took you guys to a Super Yeah, Bowl. and I was. I'm so happy. I hated that <laughs> when it was going on. I've hated Brett Favre. Share in the forever, blame, man. Share. In the and blame. I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> when I when it looked like they were going to go to the first Super Bowl in my lifetime with Brett Favre, with Brett Favre as yeah. the quarterback, and then he did the most Brett Favre thing ever and uh, lost on interceptions, right? And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> threw the game away. So at least that made me happy, and I'm not wrong to have hated him because he worked with former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant to funnel over five million dollars in welfare funds to build a volleyball st- facility at the University of Southern Mississippi, where his daughter was part of the volleyball team. And this was part of a much larger $77 million scheme to defraud the welfare system. It's So when I know we were talking about this beforehand, but you were 100% correct. The more I looked into this story, it was so much worse than I expected. Right. Like, like at surface level, you could just like say, This well, could have been the main segment because there was just so right. many layers to this onion. Well, I'll tell you, it is lucky for John Madden that he's already dead because this story would have killed him <laughs> as much as that guy was a brett Favre super fan he would not have lasted through the details of this story and this is too these texts between brett Favre and all of these people involved are not the worst texts that brett Favre has ever sent <laughs> That we're aware of. There were some with Crocs that were pretty bad. There were some that were not, you know, safe for work. Crocs and yeah, <laughs> other other stuff. Lil Brett. <laughs> and to keep in mind, dude, this was back in 2017. Right. This story correct. had kind of come out. Well, so the story that had come out previously is that Brett Favre took 1.1 million dollars for speaking fees to advertise for the or market for the stadium. It wasn't it for, for the no for the state. It, it was to do advertising and things for the state programs, specifically the Mississippi Community Education Center, which was a nonprofit that was getting funding from the state. He was getting paid $1.1 million from the Mississippi Community Education Center in order to do advertising and speaking, which he never actually did. And Real it was good guy. And it was part of this scheme to funnel money away from the welfare system in Mississippi, which is the poorest state I was just gonna in the country. <laughs> so the poorest people from the poorest state in the country had their money stolen by Brett Favre, who made about $140 million just in contracts from playing football, not from all of the other endorsements, Wrangler jeans, some pseudoscientific copper bracelets or whatever that was, well, and everything else. You can't stuff. blame just a lot of athletes got sucked into that crap, though. Well, whatever. It's still, it is. I mean, we can say they're all stupid. I'm okay with that, too. I'm not blaming him for being pseudoscientific. I, I know you, you have that problem with your current quarterback as well. I'm just saying that's what he was getting money for. Isn't it, yours is Kirk Cousins, right? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My quarterback is still Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, okay. He never destroyed his knee. That didn't happen. He's still their quarterback. They won two Super Bowls already. Hey, you had Cole Pepper. Yeah. And, you know, we won't talk about the Minnetonka boat ride. <laughs> <clears throat> 
But anyway, there was, and it goes more. So that $1.1 million that Favre said he had no idea where the money came from and said he would pay it back even though they literally had to force him to do so. And he's still refusing to pay the interest that he owes on that, by the way, which is over $200,000, even though, as I said, he has made at the very minimum $140 million and should have been able to pay for the stadium by himself without using any state money. There is also $2.15 million which was taken from a federal grant, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. Sounds like a very important program that you should not be siphoning money from. That was used to invest in a pharmaceutical company developing a concussion prevention drug, Prevacus, which Favre also happened to be the largest outside investor in, and the meeting between state officials and the Prevacus founder was held at Favre's home. Oh my god. (laughs) And it it's way worse, honestly, because our main topic is so large today. I don't have time to to read all of the texts that are going back and forth, but just know this is coming out of this fraud investigation of this $77 million that was misappropriated to this Mississippi Community Education Center run by Nancy New. Yep. She's been indicted on, I think, 13 felony accounts so far. Like that, yeah. uh, her son as well was involved. Zachary, I think his name is, also involves... John Davis, who is the director of the Mississippi Department of Human Services. That's the department that is supposed to be looking out for these welfare funds. To date, the former governor, Phil Bryant, and Brett Favre have not been charged. They are, though, currently under investigation by the FBI. And the texts that they got from Nancy New completely show that Favre was well aware of what was going on. He specifically asked Nancy if anyone was going to be able to figure out where the money came, where from. The money came from yeah. and how much it was. And she told him, no, that's never happened before because she's obviously been doing this for a while and stole lots of money for different things. And also, it was definitely coordinated with the governor. He knew very well what was going on. And when John Davis was replaced as the director of the Department of Human Services, text between Favre and the founder of Prevacus show that they knew the new person coming in was not on board with this scheme and they were disappointed in that and they said that well maybe we can get the governor to change his mind showing that they were well aware of this scheme they were involved they should all be going to jail maybe Brett Favre can get a cell next to his golf buddy well didn't Donald Trump didn't I read something also about how this investigation is also getting delayed right now because what was it? it was like earlier on when the current governor found out that the AG of Mississippi was pursuing this type of stuff they immediately fired him it could be I'm I, not I'm almost positive it's one of the articles that. we just mm-hmm. we have linked in the show notes where literally yeah. the, the AG was immediately fired after looking into this further and trying to push it further so yeah not a good month for Packers quarterbacks uh, at least on our show not a good professionally month really either um, yeah and, and a terrible month for anyone in Mississippi if you enjoy clean drinking water and non-corrupt government so yeah let's private and this comes from privatization yeah. that's what this is let's make the like the one thing I definitely want to say before we move on this corruption and the way this was allowed to be done is because conservatives refuse to see welfare 
as something necessary that is a positive benefit in people's lives. Well, because they still see it as a racialized program. So they did everything they could to prevent money going directly to needy families. Yep. That was the purpose of this whole system. And because of that, it was easy for corruption to set in. Because the idea was, we'll give it to private companies and let them set up services and all these things, and they'll be able to help the people. And instead, they stole the money and paid off government officials and brought them in on this scheme and made investments to try to make more money. So the fact that the current governor's proposal, and the only reason he's the current governor is because they have term limits. So otherwise, it would probably have still been Phil Bryant up until now. But because they have term limits, they have a different governor at this point, and he's still talking about privatization to be the solution to their state's problems. So what you're saying is Democrats are bad. <laughs> the Democratic leadership of Mississippi really failed. What you're saying is that both parties are basically the same. That's kind of what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, ideologically, there's no there's no problems. <laughs> Just a couple bad apples. Oh, there you go. Speaking of bad apples, let's move to the next headline. Let's and see. our only... It's not just apples that are bad. Our place. only positive headline. There, there's a lot of bad food where this is coming <laughs> from. I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to take my, my hot take here, which also does not really happen at a lot of these places either. I'm talking about Hardee's. And I'll put the all of my transgressions and bias towards Hardee's, Hardee sucks by the way, away just so I can say they are true American heroes. Wouldn't you agree? I, I still think, I, I'm sure you're talking about it, the Twitter the Twitter dunk game. <laughs> I still think that they lag a little bit behind Wendy's. When we get to it, I'll, I'll critique. Okay. But why don't you tell us what the story is? Mike Lindell, the famous My Pillow guy. Mike Pillow. Mike Pillow guy. He's known. Drove through a Hardee's drive-thru just trying to get his very innocent, non-conspiratorial biscuits. And the FBI cowardly and just savagely horrified, like the most Orwellian thing you can imagine, just popped out of nowhere, like out of a bush nearby, and snatched his phone and ran away. They jacked his phone at a Hardee's drive-thru. I mean, at least that's what Mike Lindell said on his show, claimed that there was a search warrant out for his phone by the FBI due to ongoing investigations into other people. And involving claims of voter fraud that were, in fact, fraudulent. So, in response, Hardee's tweeted out, If you still have a phone, get a free breakfast biscuit in our app for My Rewards members. And then had a link to their app. They also talked about how good their pillowy biscuits were. Right, well, that's my problem, right? They, They knew that they missed out on the pillowy biscuit. So then they had a separate tweet yeah. that had pillowy. If they would have gotten it right the first time, it would have been A+. plus. If it would have said, if you still have a phone, get a free pillowy breakfast biscuit. And our app, that would have, I would have thumbs up on that one. But I, I still think they got something to learn. They can intern with the Wendy's Twitter person for a little bit yet. Who has a Hardee's app? I, I don't know. I don't think I've, I can't remember the last time I was at Hardee's. I think there's only one that I know of even there, there in was, the area. Yeah, there was one. One by the airport. Literally, there was one by the airport that I was I had near me when I was growing up, and I've almost always been disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing that Hardee's does have, though. The is, TNA uh, burger ads didn't, oh didn't get you? Oh, my God, no. They do have curly fries, though, and I like the curly fries. Yeah, so does Arby's. Yeah, it's true. And I like Arby's way better than Hardee's. Welcome to Fast Food Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Jason. Because that's the real you know, topic <laughs> that should be happening 
in our political group, not the literally FBI taking the My Pillow guy's phone. So hopefully this means that the My Pillow guy will soon follow the example of his phone and be detained by the FBI <laughs> soon. One can only dream with pillowy biscuits. Finally, in the headlines, we have a culture wars update. It turns out conservatives are really, really big mad about a Disney animated to live action movie casting decision. And I must say, Joe, as much as I vehemently disagree with most conservatives and especially like their talking head pundits, this time I'm on board. I can't believe they do this. This cultural erasure, this appropriation, taking things away from European culture that are sacred. This is an animated, beloved animated movie with a traditional character of a specific ethnicity that has been appropriated by Disney with a different ethnicity, and I am sick of it, Joe. We are, of course, I assume I didn't, I I was really busy when we were doing this because the our main topic was really something that's only been a story for a couple days. We were really struggling to get it finished, so I didn't read that much in it, but I'm pretty sure I know what this is. We have to be talking about goddamn Tom Hanks playing Geppetto in the live action Pinocchio. I knew it! (laughs) I knew you were going to say it! (laughs) I'm like, what is it? I'm trying to figure out so bad! I'm like, that was the only thing I could think of. Oh! Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Italians have had it so bad for so long, they always get cast as mobsters or pizza owners. They never get any real parts in in Hollywood. And the time Finally, they do. You have a strong Italian character. As an Italian-American myself. <laughs> in Geppetto. And they give it to generic American white guy Tom Hanks. Come on. Ridiculous. <laughs> So that's what it is, right? It 100% is what it is. It's clearly not Halle Bailey becoming the Little Mermaid, and people are freaking out that she's black now. Oh, is that, is that what it is? Yeah, man. Oh, I don't care. Who cares? The The Little Mermaid's not real. Care? <laughs> so many people care, man. <laughs> They, they're they upset that a fish woman is a different race? Yes, because it's taken away of Western European culture. I mean, they really bastardized the original story when they made the cartoon originally, though, right? Any, anybody care about all of the rest of the changes? Like, she doesn't die and all the other stuff? Hey, I heard that Hans Christian Andersen... <laughs> would write about people like him and he would never approve of a black woman being Ariel. He said that? No. I think Matt Walsh said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you guys haven't heard, conservatives are absolutely losing their minds because Ariel is black now and we cannot afford to have a black mermaid. America cannot handle. A couple of my favorite, I don't know if you saw any of these, Jason. I I did just because you put them in the show notes. I was hoping you didn't. I wanted to show it to you live. Yeah. Conservative yeah. pundit. Pundit? Is he a pundit? I don't know. Commentator? Whatever he is. Daily, I don't think pundit has Daily like Wire a, idiot. Any real uh, 
meaning. Somehow way worse than Ben Shapiro. Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire is so upset because The Little Mermaid is unscientific. Because she's a mermaid, right? No, because she's black. And I'm going to read you what he said. Also, by the way, with The Little Mermaid, can we also just mention that from a scientific perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have someone with darker skin who lives deep in the ocean. I mean, if anything, not only should The Little Mermaid be pale, she should actually be translucent. If you look at deep sea creatures, they're like translucent. They have no kind of pigmentation whatsoever. And they're just like these horrifying, they look like skeletons floating around in the ocean. That's what the little mermaid should look like. She should totally be pale and skeletal where you can see through her skull and her face. And that would actually be a version of the little mermaid I would watch. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't like that's that's a lot of craziness in one statement. I it's hard to even know where to begin. But when you start off critiquing a children's cartoon that's made into live action, when you start off with from a scientific perspective, you know you're either dealing with Neil deGrasse Tyson or a conservative. <laughs> A, a white conservative. It <laughs> so, has to be a white conservative. Okay, so he didn't criticize the older cartoon, but he says that was also wrong. She should literally be a horrifying monster with a see-through head. <laughs> I, I Like, that's insane. I wonder why they didn't go with that design decision. Two, from a scientific perspective, he's completely wrong. There's plenty of ocean creatures, even deep-sea ocean creatures that have all sorts of different pigmentations especially black and brown pigmentation and also from a lore perspective they don't live in the deep sea <laughs> like they live in a coral castle that has penises on top of it uh if you've ever seen the little mermaid vhs cover very clearly that's where they live it's not in the deep deep ocean matt well so like every part of his critique is based on that's a false premise much like everything else he ever said that's my fair part just thinking that they live in the absolute deepest parts right, of the ocean not... and then they just take them forever just to get to the surface <laughs> all throughout the movie they just like swim really fast and their swim b- bladders explode <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> Matt, you've not thought this through. Oh. Okay, well, enough of what the white conservatives have to say. All right, we'll go We'll go to the black conservatives. Can- black conservative, well, I think you good, mean. Good point. Candace Owens also called this a mockery and said that everything must be black. If it's not black, they can't produce it at all. Nothing with a predominantly white cast ever gets made anymore. Nope. I don't know if she's seen any movies lately. So, jokes aside, I mean, you can also watch, like, the TikTok videos of all the young black girls um, reacting to the trailer and how they're all, like, super, like, in love with it, and it's super heartwarming. I highly recommend it if you can. It's, like, one of the little bits of, like, niceness that's on the internet anymore today. I like the one, like, uh, southern white girl who thought it was Whitney Houston. I think it's funny. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So that's where she's been all this time. <laughs> <laughs> just in filming. Just under, I was like, she was just under the ocean. <laughs> but it really goes to show how of a racial reaction this actually is. And don't get me wrong, I hate almost all of the live action remakes that Disney has been making. I would go as far as to say all of. Did I not say all? You said almost all. Of. Oh, n- n- no, all. I didn't even mean. Maybe I was already trying to like be nice to myself there for a 
even though it, like, I don't think <laughs> they're I've seen all one. pretty terrible. I don't think I've seen one that I like yet. And I mean, now we know that there's going to be another one with Snow White, who's also going to be a woman of color. Oh and, boy, that's going to. Oh yeah. We're going to be talking about that once oh, we all will. the takes come in. So I also understand that. I also understand the fact that there could be a little bit of pandering as well. And I, th- that's the point of a company, you morons. Right. They want as, they want as diverse of an audience as they possibly can get. No kidding. It, literally the whole point of, and they keep talking about how they're just trying to pander to people to get money. That's always what, that's what companies do. Are you kidding me? That's why for 70 years, they didn't have any black lead characters in any of their movies. Well, Jason, Jason, man, why can't we have a white black Panther, bro? <laughs> what if we made Mulan Go white, for it. dude? Go for it. Make, have the Daily Wire. They're making <laughs> movies now. Have hey. Gina Carano as your white black Panther. Oh my God. No, she needs to be the white Mulan. What? However you want to do it. Daily Wire, the ball's in your court. You make that movie and you see how much money you make from all the racists. <laughs> And then you probably will figure out why Disney doesn't do that. Hey, I, I heard other conservative movies are doing really well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're we, doing We it. almost looked at My Hunter or My Son Hunter. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen enough of Hunter Biden to last a lifetime. Uh, hooray for culture wars. The one take I will say that I am genuinely upset about that I've been seeing everywhere, even from friend of the show, Seth Andrews. Oh, no. Is people saying that it's ridiculous to complain about a black mermaid and say that it's not realistic in a movie where her best friend is a Jamaican talking crab. Crab. <laughs> And that is also ridiculous because Sebastian's not her best friend, Joe. <laughs> He's more of a teacher surrogate father figure. Her best friend is Flounder. It's true. Everybody knows that. True. And I don't know why. Sebastian has more like a, a Zazu feel. It's more liberal lies. <laughs> Uh, conservatives are stupid, man. Uh, they are dumb. And they pick the dumbest hills to try to throw themselves off of. Now that we laugh, should we, should we have a very depressing main segment? Wouldn't have it any other way. Good. I'll see you there. That was really a pr- productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. In our main topic of the day, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is engaging in human trafficking for political gain. For those who haven't seen the news, there have been a lot of stories about how migrants were sent to various Democratic places, sanctuary cities around the country. Most infamously, Ron DeSantis sending a plane of Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard. These were 50 migrants that were sent. Uh, And according to Massachusetts Rep Bill Keating, DeSantis also sent along a videographer on the plane to document the plane's arrival. To literally document the plane's arrival. And you might ask yourself, how are they paying for this? Well, the Florida legislature appropriated $12 million to implement a program to facilitate the transport of undocumented immigrants from the state. Where did this money come from? These funds came from interest that they earned on COVID funding from the federal government as part of the American Rescue Plan of 2021. So those liberal... Thanks, O'Biden. Spending, yeah, spending dollars that they keep 
Keeper or anything about it. They're just using that for this now. And also, it does raise some questions that, like, literally the wording of the legislature appropriation says that they're it's supposed to be to take people out of the state of Florida. And actually, this plane full of 50 migrants came out of Texas. It's true. So hopefully the, that causes some problems. They're not spending the, the COVID funding that they got, that they applied for out of the American Rescue Plan. And they're using the interest to try to create political theater to further their governor's run for president. Quite literally. And also, according to a tweet by Democratic candidate who's running against Ron DeSantis, Charlie Crist totally has a chance of defeating him, by the way. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully his chances don't get worse from this and instead better. No kidding. Counting on the people of Florida. DeSantis spent $615,000 on September 8th to fly those migrants out. Approximately $12,300 per migrant of tax. So these are not taxpayer dollars. Not spend that money to help these people. No, not at all. To let them be literal political pawns in some weird hate-filled anti-immigration campaign. And now the Southern Poverty Law Center has already sent a letter to the Inspector General of the Department of the Treasury to investigate and hopefully halt what they are calling an unlawful appropriation of those funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. And to make things even worse, multiple reports coming out from this story says that the migrants were explicitly lied to. Rachel Self, an immigration attorney from Boston, said, quote, they were told there was a surprise present for them and that there would be jobs and housing awaiting for them when they arrived. And I think everyone should watch this video that's going to be linked in the article that we share on this. She is, like you said, she is an immigration attorney from Boston. She's kind of taking the lead on helping some of these families. And her interview was amazing. Yes. Uh, Some other quotes from that. They were provided with cartoonishly simple maps of Martha's Vineyard and the United States. And like literally, it's think of a kindergartner map of the United States where it just has like squares for each state with the name of the state in the middle and like nothing else. That's what it looked like. They were given a map and it had a line drawn. It's again, it's something that seemed to have been done maliciously. You wouldn't do this except you're trying to you play a find joke. A map on, on these Google. People. And that's exactly the map of Martha's Vineyard. They it looks like they printed out the go- like they zoomed in on Google to show Martha's Vineyard because they had the like the Google pin. Oh god. In the middle, like if you just literally searched Google for Martha's Vineyard yeah. and it would show you that with that in the middle. That's what they literally did. They printed out the Google map of Martha's Vineyard for the United States map. They took the most cartoonishly childish map they could find and drew a line from Texas to Massachusetts. And that's what they gave to these people to help them when they got to their destination. It's it's vindictive and evil. I don't know of a I don't even believe in the concept of evil personally, but I don't know another word that you would treat human beings like this. Getting back to the quote. They were also given a brief brochure containing snippets from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts website. Woo! 
and instructions to change their address with USCIS, the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, when they relocated. This is especially troubling as anyone with even the most basic understanding of the immigration proceedings knows that USCIS was not the agency with whom the migrants would have had to record their addresses and has nothing to do with their cases in any way. Now, I don't know that, but obviously as an immigration attorney, she does, Mm -hmm. which shows that probably the person putting this information together also probably did. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was... I'm thinking on the malicious end again. Right. Well, either, yeah, they did that on purpose because it sounded like it might be right. Or they're just too stupid and incompetent. Or it was Ron DeSantis. I mean, it could be both. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. It is clear that this was an intentional attempt to ensure that these migrants were removed in absentia when they failed to change their address with the proper agency. She went on to say, agents apparently chose random homeless shelters all across the country from Washington to Florida to list the migrants' mailing addresses. This this part makes me so angry. (laughs) Even when told by the migrants that they had no address in the U.S. According to the paperwork provided to them, the migrants are required to check in with the ICE office nearest to the fake address chosen for them by the Department of Homeland Security or be permanently removed from the United States, with some required to check in as early as this coming Monday. It could not be clearer that this is an attempt to ensure that these people are ordered removed even as they try as hard as they can to comply with the instructions provided to them. Uh, again, like you said, this sounds explicitly malicious where I'm surprised they didn't the just point. shoot these people in no the knees kidding, when they man. pushed them off the plane. Oh my god. How much more could you try to destroy these people's lives as a political stunt? And this guy's going to be running for president of the United States. I I can't be more upset, but I will be as we go on with this story. I know it. I know what's coming up. It's hard to imagine even being more upset than just with the facts that we have so far. Well, let's keep going then. <sighs> Among those interviewed was Juan Ramirez, a 24-year-old immigrant from Venezuela who was actually in Texas when the plane first arrived um, after he crossed the border and was released in San Antonio. He said that after he was released, an unidentified woman offered to take them to a place where she promised they would be better served. During an interview, he said, quote, it was a plane ticket they gifted us in Texas, a private plane, a private flight, and they left us here. But they told us they would welcome us here. They would help us. They would give us shelter. They would give us work. When we got here, we found the surprise that no one knew we were coming here. That was the surprise. Surprise! No one knows you're coming. We're just going to dump you off here. So I want to make that very, very clear because here's the other part too. There are already programs in place where this type of stuff does happen. So where you see like lots of places on the southern border where lots of immigrants are coming in, you do have programs already in place where immigrants and migrants who are seeking asylum, all those types, are taken on bus or by plane to cities much more northern, and they're dropped off, just kind of like how they were. However, there's communication that happens in between the states, and basically, they get dropped off where people can immediately start helping them, provide them immediate shelter, and immediately start processing them so they can start working and living a valuable life in this country. This was not that case. Instead, what they did intentionally so was not communicated to cause chaos and to make sure that there was as much suffering as possible so that no one had any clue what was going on. And they specifically chose 
Martha's Vineyard, because it's a very wealthy community inside a very democratic state, Massachusetts, and is typically known for the elites that live there, like Oprah, the Obamas. Yep. It is kind of ironic because my dad's from Massachusetts from the western end of the state, but we took a lot of vacations in the area. We went to Cape Cod, which is right near Martha's Vineyard. Um, it was at that time, right after like they filmed Jones. Jaws, that you know, and that was in Martha's Vineyard. Sure. That was like a big thing. Oh, it's just a haven for liberal elites. Liberal elites, not exactly true. It's mostly just elites. And now, from this story, people were very willing to help. They got them, you know, the resources they needed. They, I think, now most of the immigrants are actually at a military base in Cape Cod because, again, Martha's Vineyard is an island. As Rachel Self had said, they have appointments they have to meet now to try to defend against deportation because they aren't just set free to roam across the country and do whatever they want. No, but and I also do believe they're also already having shelter, like you said, and mm-hmm. I think they are processed at having work visas already, and I think some are already working. And they're, yeah, and so you're not going to really be able to find much work on the island, especially when you can't get off of it easily. Well, and on top of that, another big part of that too was, so they came for work. Martha's Vineyard does have a big tourist season right, that we're which at is the now, end of which is yeah. now over so all the part-timers that usually go into martha's vineyard for the season are already gone so there's isn't much work left to have right and they are going to have to do things like meet with lawyers yes and again they were left in the place that it was the most difficult situation for them yes. to be literally stranded on an island so but credit to martha's vineyard and credit to their leadership for actually like being the bigger sanctuary district i don't know what you want to call it uh, the more human literally and actually welcoming these people they're very proud to do so they immediately helped in spring to action so good on them and i did have one last thing to add to this is the san antonio report just released a story where they say a 27 year old venezuelan migrant told them that he was paid 200 dollars in cash to recruit people from outside san antonio's migrant resource center to board a flight that landed at martha's vineyard on Wednesday. Ooh. Yep. And that actually made track with Juan Mar- um, Juan Ramirez's stuff because they literally said they're trying to meet a quota to fill the plane. Mm-hmm. And saying and telling people that they need to fill the plane, otherwise they can't leave. You know, all these people are waiting. We just need to get enough people to go. Yeah. The 27-year-old who spoke with the paper, his name was Emmanuel. He declined to give his last name for obvious reasons. Said a woman he knows as Perla told him she wanted to send migrants to sanctuary states where the government has more resources to help them. He said he gave Perla contact information for about 10 migrants he met near the migrant center. He also said that Perla informed him that she got the money from an anonymous benefactor and that the flight was paid for by that person. So a lie. Or it was Ron DeSantis. Or Ron DeSantis. Well, it could be Because he... (laughs) is the one who actually paid for the flight that we know. So these people were just tricked and lured onto a plane and dropped off in the middle of an island with no one knowing that they were coming. It's villainy. It's despicable. It's inhumane, especially for people that constantly thump the Bible 
for all of the terrible things that they want to inflict upon the rest of the country. Well, I mean, they proclaim themselves as the moral majority. And yet this is what they do. You know, as atheists, we've both read the Bible. Yep. The loaves and the fishes story, when all the people were hungry and they had to feed them. I don't remember the part where he deports them. Across the Roman Empire. I somehow I must have forgot that part. I I don't know. That's just because you're blind to the truth, man. But Jason, that's just the beginning of the story, man. It is, unfortunately. Because while we're gonna talk about Ron DeSantis, some other governors have been doing the exact same thing. So let's move to Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott just sent two buses full of migrants to Kamala Harris's DC residence after she called the border secure. In Abbott's announcement, he said, quote, our supposed border czar VP. Harris has yet to see firsthand the impact of the open border policy she has helped implement. This busing strategy is part of the state's ongoing response to President Biden's reckless border policies that are overwhelming border communities in Texas. So I I want to hit it home again. This was all intentional. The whole point, just like with Ron DeSantis, was to create chaos, to not inform anybody that they were doing this until it happened. And shocker, just like with Ron DeSantis, somehow Fox News knew right away that this bus was going right to Kamala Harris's house. A quote from one of the migrants who was there at Harris residence. They didn't tell us where we were. They left us here and that was it. Jason, I don't even know what to even say at this point. And what's even worse is that that's not even th- that's not even the end of it. It keeps going. We're not even halfway there. Oh my god. Because even before that, Ebbett also sent buses of migrants to Chicago. And this one uh, makes me really angry. Governor Pritzker of Illinois, who was not aware that this was going on until they actually arrived in Chicago, said, we're managing as best as we can, but the governor of Texas is sowing chaos around the nation. The governor of Texas needs to stop sowing chaos and needs to actually work with other states. Dick Durbin, the senator from Illinois, also said the fact that they would turn them loose in the city of Chicago, for example, without any warning whatsoever, families with small children were literally dumped at the train station in Chicago by the governor of Texas. And the worst part about this whole thing was this entire plan is just to show some kind of hypocrisy with the liberals who are running Illinois. And I'm talking about Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. And they even say as much. Renee Eze, Eze? Easy E. I don't even care. Terrible person who works for Greg Abbott. He's like straight out of comp. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Who also works for Greg Abbott, right? Yeah. Said this. I think Ice Cube is a conservative now. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what money will do for you, Joe. <laughs> I want to pay taxes. So much for Chicago's welcoming city ordinance. These Democrat elites are absolute hypocrites, and now their hypocrisy is on full display for the entire nation. Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot have been complaining about a few hundred migrants being bussed into self-declared sanctuary city Chicago, then turn around and dump them in suburbs to Republican mayors to deal with. It almost sounds like they don't like just randomly being dumped migrants upon. Right, and that you might want to spread that out across shelters and places that can care for people in the area and not just dump them in literally one spot. They go on to say, instead of complaining about fulfilling their welcoming city promises, these Democrat hypocrites should call on President Biden to do his job and secure the border, something the president continues failing to do. And that's what you're going to hear over and over and over again, is that it's all Biden's fault. He is not doing his job and securing the border. It's all him. It's his policies. That's the reason for this all. This is 
supposedly the stop hitting yourself political strategy. So we'll examine those claims at the end, but let's uh, let's move on. I just, I cannot believe how awful and terrible these people are, Jason. I just, I really can't. And Texas's claim is that, well, we're not prepared to deal with all of these migrants, so we're going to just randomly ship them to our political enemies, and that will solve the problem. Texas receives a lot of money from the federal government to deal with immigration because it's well understood that border states are going to have to deal with this issue. Texas, obviously, most prominently because of the amount of border space. They right. Have. Their their literal amount of border that they share with Mexico. In this year's budget, I did not get this from progressive, Woke. leftist, Marxist, liberal Joe Biden. I got this from Texas Senator John Cornyn, his website. Texas border communities received $130 billion in FEMA funding this year specifically to help with the impact of immigration. We haven't heard in all of these buses and planes that they're sending money along with them, that, you know, we got this from the federal government, which comes from the rest of the states to help deal with the impact of immigration. I wonder why. Why? Oh, they're not they're not gonna they're give that money, money back running. yeah they're they're going to probably use it to give it to private companies to come up with studies on how they can better deal with immigration because again you don't want to give it to people you don't want to use it to help people's welfare everything should go to private companies no taxes no governments they'll still take the money and it would be interesting to have an audit you know they love auditing things these days right let's have an audit on how they're spending that 130 billion dollars i could not find how much like arizona and florida and any other states get in federal funding probably it's not as much as texas i would assume right just because of the size of the state but i guarantee that they all receive some federal funding to help deal with the immigrants that we know are going to make their way into their states well the good news is though jason is that this was at least that's the end of it there clearly is no more right i'm pretty sure there are other southern border states with republicans Republican governors, even though Florida is not a border state. But I mean, it's Ron DeSantis. That's why he had to find people from Texas to do this stunt with no apparently no convenient immigrants that he could easily locate in his own state. But instead, we have Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who has also been sending buses of asylum seekers to Washington, D.C. at a cost of over $80,000 per trip since May. That comes to approximately $2,200 per asylum seeker. Somehow, a bus ride is more expensive than a plane ride in florida i think it's because they literally are also feeding these people and making sure they have proper medical care oh okay whereas desantis did do neither uh, some of the reports when they arrived early in the morning in martha's vineyard were that they hadn't had anything to eat since 6 a.m the day before oh because God. ron desantis literally didn't care if they died whereas doug ducey apparently Gives didn't want to quite take that chance and that's why i think the cost is a little bit higher is because they actually had medical personnel on staff and paid for food. The governor's office said while the asylum seekers are being dropped off in Washington, D.C., their final destinations are in states such as New York, which 27% of the, the people being dropped off said 
they were headed towards. New Jersey at 20%. And, oh boy, Florida. <laughs> oh no. At 20%. So apparently Ron DeSantis's beef should be with actually Doug Ducey. Because he's the one sending people across the country that want to go to Florida. Really, we should be paying using that $2,200 for some education and explaining to people what Florida actually is. And that it's not actually just Disney World. And I think <laughs> they would probably not want to go there anymore. Or at least we could get that number down. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars are also there. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacksonville is also there. Yeah. Which is a deterrent in and of itself. <laughs> so those are the three states and governors that we know of that are engaging in this scheme to take people who are demonized by racists in our society and under the cover of night and not telling anyone at their destination that they're arriving, but apparently alerting the media and just dropping them off because they think that they are not people, but a burden, a drain, a draw on society, and they don't care what happens to them. They just want them gone because they don't feel like they're human beings worthy of respect and humanity, but just a suck and literally animals that have to be taken care of. I cannot imagine a single point in our history where this ever happened. Up until yesterday, I would have... Agreed with that. Agreed with yeah. you. That, yeah, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard of something this horrible happening in the United States. And, you know, I went through grade school and high school. I learned American history. I would know if something like that had happened before. You all probably have heard of the Freedom Riders, the bus of brave individuals who are trying to desegregate the interstate bus lines. You may not have actually heard, though, of the reverse Freedom Rides. And this is, I will say, I once again am personally embarrassed that I did not know this story from our history. So we invite you, by the way. We invite everyone listening to please look at the show notes. Check out all the material we're going to have listed right. in the show notes. And specifically, we are going to have a podcast from NPR. It's called Code Switch. That's going to be in this article on the reverse freedom rides. And please listen to it because it is extremely relevant to what's going on today you know with our topic that we're talking about here and is it's horrible and ironically it's almost certainly illegal for schools in texas florida and arizona to teach this topic on the reverse freedom rides <laughs> because it violates all their anti-history i mean crt legislation that they've passed so let's talk about let's let's get into what the reverse freedom rides were i had to learn about all this stuff from hbo and, <laughs> and now and now i'm only learning this because of uh, tweets from people responding to jason's having an existential crisis uh, right now i i mean what did i really learn that's as he grabs a beer <laughs> i'll drink utah okay it sounds good in response to the free emergence like i said they were a group of people who were bused to southern cities with the hope of integrating interstate buses conservative pro-segregationist politicians thought they should fight back and the way they do that was and by the way i do know <laughs> Sorry to um, put my beard down and interrupt. The Freedom Riders, there were people that were literally beaten and killed yes. doing this. Yes, they were. If you don't know about that, look into it. This plan was conceived to restore the power of the White Citizens Council, a fairly political group of pro-segregationists, also referred to as Citizens Council or the Citizens Council. I'm going to include a scholarly article, which is actually one of the only scholarly articles on this topic. It's incredibly telling. I highly recommend it by historian Clive Webb. And he said in 
in the article, quote, Since their inception, the councils had attempted to distance themselves from the racial extremists such as the Ku Klux Klan by disavowing violent opposition to the law. The councils also tried to counter accusations that they were motivated by little more than blind hatred of blacks by minimizing the emotional issue of race and instead framing their opposition to Supreme Court ruling within the strict doctrine of, guess what? Bum, bum, bum. States' rights. So what was their plan exactly? Their and this pl- is in the 1960s, by the way, not the 1860s. Still talking about states' rights when it comes to civil rights. And I'm going to be directly comparing this to exactly what Ron DeSantis recently said a couple of days ago. And I want you to see if there are any similarities between what we're talking about. In the plan of the reverse freedom riders, the architect of the campaign, George Singleman, believed this to be a valuable strategy in combating northern liberalism. A quote from the web article, Singleman believed that by unloading thousands of unemployed blacks, he would test the goodwill of northern authorities to breaking point. When the reverse freedom riders failed to secure employment, they would be forced to add their names to the already bulging welfare rolls of northern cities. To compare, DeSantis did say in a press conference, quote, we are not a sanctuary state and it's better to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. And I don't know if you saw this. Did you watch his? I, I did. Okay. You linked it. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, thank you. I appreciate you mm-hmm. taking my work seriously. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> Can we just note that really crappy woman who's staying right behind him, who's like laughing while he's giving that line? Like the second he's like, and we'll facilitate that transport for you in a, the most smarmy, condescending way possible. And she's laughing because she knows how much of a joke it is. Because it's to be cruel. Right. So, which is funny. Like they're not human beings. So let's laugh at their misery. Right. Exactly. Going back to the plan, Singleman also thought that those same Northern liberals who denounced the racial intolerance of white Southerners proved unwilling to assist the writers it would expose their support for the civil rights cause as fraudulent and hypocritical. Amos Guthridge, a lawyer for the Arkansas who helped spearhead the reverse fear writers, said, we're going to find out if people like Ted Kennedy and the Kennedys, all of them, really do have an interest in the Negro people, really do have the love for the Negro people. Ned Touchstone, a spokesman for a local segregationist group in Louisiana, said his primary motivation was to, quote, bring about a more equitable distribution of colored populations when talked to by reporters. He added that African American Americans were begging for assistance, saying, is it a crime to help people who come to you and say, boss man, I want to go to the north. And again, they're taking money and they know these people are in need. And instead of using that money to help them, they're instead using the money to ship them as a political game somewhere else. Yep, quite literally. And for comparison, again, DeSantis said, obviously it's expensive if people are coming here. It impacts social services and all these other things. And so if we we can do that in a sanctuary, then the chance they come to Florida goes down dramatically. But it also is the case that every community in America should be sharing the burdens. But I thought that's what they were literally complaining about Joe Biden do when you were talking about uh, Joe Biden is bussing immigrants around. Isn't that sharing the, the burden? They are complaining about that. Because again, Florida is because Joe Biden's doing it. Florida is not on the border, right? Like they're not swimming from Venezuela to Florida. Right. So for anyone to end up in Florida, you're already sharing the burden. But he wants to he wants to be the Texas governor so he can be so put upon by this. Yep. So he's basically pretending that Florida is a border state and that they have illegal immigrants flooding over the border into Florida, which is of course not true and ridiculous and even when he's trying to do this stunt again, demonstrably not true because they literally had to 
to fly a plane to Texas to pick people up in the first place. And they stopped in Florida, probably to pick up the videographer. Back to the racists. Well, of, of the, of the, 19, the of the 1960s, those races, not the current racists. They conducted a massive advertising campaign with flyers and radio commercials to attract black people, specifically single mothers with many children, to accept bus tickets with promises of a better life. And I've got a snippet from the article here, the NPR article that we'll put in there. It was late on a Wednesday afternoon, nearly 60 years ago, when that Greyhound bus from Little Rock, Arkansas, pulled into Hyannis. It slowed to a stop near the summer home of President John F. Kennedy and his family. When the doors opened, Leela May and her nine youngest children stepped onto the pavement. Sending a bunch of people unannounced to the home of Democrats in power. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Gotta say, they really didn't change this plan much (laughs) in 60 years, did they? And of course, Singleman made sure to alert the press when the buses actually arrived. Fear-mongering headlines such as, quote, Negro family on way here and, quote, 14 more jobless Negroes sent north were plastered all over newspapers. And actually, I have one of those articles from 1963 that's actually preserved in the JFK archives for you to look at in the show notes. In an interview, Singleman said, quote, The ultimate accomplishment has been already obtained, and that is to focus attention on the hypocrisy of the Northern Liberals, NAACP, and the Urban League. For comparison, DeSantis did say, and all those people in D.C. and New York who are beating their chest when Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk. And it just shows you that their virtual signaling is a fraud. There's also, of course, misrepresenting what happened when he sent all those people around the country. But this is a direct, almost word for word. Yes, it's the same plan. This is the exact same thing that they used to demonize black people struggling for civil rights in the 1960s. It's just as racist now as it was then. These people are just as human now as they were then. Yep. This is, again, Republicans trying to attack Democrats politically with racist pawns. Well, and technically at that time, there were also a lot of super racist Democrats. But it's still, well, this is exactly it's racist, on that. It's racist conservatives flip. who are doing the exact same thing. But this, And this was right on that flip. Well, this is literally because John Kennedy was a Democrat. Yes. And civil rights were starting to become a big issue for Democrats. And Democrats were supporting civil rights. This is exactly what when we had that switch correct from the conservatives being democrats to the conservatives being republicans especially in the south and that's exactly when people want to point out all this stuff whose side was the ku klux klan on here it wasn't the democratic president it was on the racists busing people into the north and into other cities for political gain and it's something that we've brought up multiple times because it's such a dishonest thing when people say that well the democrats are the real racists they started the kkk and sure but at that time the tenants of the democratic party were conservatism and the tenants of the republican party was progressivism and liberalism and today that's exactly flipped but all you pay attention to is the name yeah and not what it stands for i agree and you've got in the notes ronda santa's speech the video if anybody wants to watch it if you doubt you know if you think we're misrepresenting anything that's four that minutes said. it is four minutes from the miami herald you can just watch it for yourselves if you can stand to 
you listen to Ron DeSantis for four minutes. So let's discuss. Is anything they're saying true? We've heard it over and over and over again from all three of the governors that we're talking about now that Biden has open borders and he's letting these immigrants just flood through. And that's the real problem. That's why this has to be addressed. That's why we're doing this. It's not just a political stunt because we're Bond villains. It's because there's a real problem at our borders and it's Biden's fault he won't do his job. Well, clearly that's what it is. Is it true? I, I've heard it all over on Fox News. Let's look at a Cato Institute article from last September, September 23rd, 2021. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank. No progressive liberals, l- hardcore right-wing libertarians. Small government. The article is titled, spoiler alert, Biden's border policy is not open borders. Some snippets from that article. Practically since his first week in office, President Joe Biden has faced repeated criticisms from Republicans and some Democrats that his border policy amounts to open borders. This criticism is not simply inaccurate. It is unhinged from reality in a way that distinguishes itself from normal political hyperbole. That's a that's a big swing from the Cato Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, U.S. immigration policy is effectively closed borders, and Biden's immigration policies and goals are largely the same as those of President Donald Trump. So Donald Trump was a woke leftist too. The Biden administration has smashed all records for immediate expulsions without due process, increasing the rate from 62,000 per month under Trump to about 100,000. Ultimately, Biden has made a policy choice to let in as few immigrants as possible. He's not simply enforcing the law, he's finding every way possible to keep out immigrants. Now, why would a libertarian think tank be pushing for more immigration? One, because it's costing the government a lot of money to stop all this illegal immigration. And two, it's a source of cheap labor for businesses. And where are we now? And we were also last year. A lot of the low end minimum wage jobs are having a hard time finding labor. There's an awful lot of open jobs at restaurants that these illegal immigrants, if we would just let them through the border, would pretty much be forced to take. That's why, if you really want to know why the Cato Institute is being honest here and why they're trying to defend the current presidents and rail against his border policies, it's because of that. Okay, another criticism. Well, Biden did end Trump's zero tolerance slash kids in cages slash torturing humans by destroying their families as an immigration deterrent policy, right? Well, actually, due to immense public pressure, Donald Trump signed an executive order on June 20th 2018, directing the Department of Homeland Security to stop separating families except in cases where the parent represents a risk to the child. And if you guys don't remember this, this was back in 2018 where they had the whole migrant caravan fear-mongering campaign where all these thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of migrants who were just coming and storming our border, and you heard it on Fox News and every conservative show you saw all around the country over and over and over again repeated until the midterms were done. And they just vanished. No more immigration problem anymore. Now, the that program is supposed to be over. As I said, there was an exception there, which of course gets abused. And there are still kids being separated from their families. It still does happen. In fact, on January 
2022, the National Immigrant Justice Center released a report entitled, The Biden Administration Routinely Separates Immigrant Families. And in that report, they allege, the Biden administration routinely separates families through detention and deportation as part of its interior immigration enforcement practices without meaningful policies designed to protect family unity. Well, okay. But the Biden administration ended the Title 42 expulsions, right? Mm, Kind of. I'm going to guess no. But also no. What is Title 42 expulsions? Well, on March... The answer to everything. On March 20th, 2020... You didn't like my joke. Yeah, 42. I I am enough of a nerd to get that, but not enough of a nerd to really care. That that really hurt. (laughs) (laughs) On March 20th, 2020, the Department of Health and Human Services issued an emergency regulation to implement a specific aspect of U.S. Health Law Section 265 of Code Title 42 which permits the director of the CDC to prohibit the introduction into the United States of America individuals when the director believes that there is a serious danger of the introduction of a communicable disease into the United States. Basically, we got to just expel anyone, even their seeking asylum. We were able to just expel them. If there's belief that there is a communicable disease. Without due process because of COVID. Sure. Uh, and it didn't matter if we thought they had it or not. It didn't matter. As long as everyone, yeah. everyone get out. That was, that's Title 42. Well, Biden ended that. And then that's, that's why we have this problem now. It's something that is like, if you want to know about it, you can do a lot of reasons, tons of reasons why it's horrible. It supersedes all other U.S. immigration law. And it's just used to punish anyone trying to come into the United States and to prevent them, no matter what their circumstance is, no matter that, like, they should legally be able to seek asylum in the United States, doesn't matter. Title 42, get out. And one of the biggest issues, and why, really, the re- if you want to know the reason for the border crisis, here it's going to be, Title 42 is not applied evenly across nationalities. For example, Mexico agrees to take back migrants from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Mexico. Those are the only nationalities that can be released back into Mexico. Every conservative and Republican idiot ever talking about immigration says, why don't we just send them back to Mexico? Mexico is a sovereign country. We can't just, unlike Martha's Vineyard, we can't just drive out into the middle of Mexico and dump people off randomly. They have to be from one of those four countries. That's it. Otherwise, they cannot be released into Mexico. For other nationalities, high costs, poor diplomatic relations and other considerations make it difficult for the United States to fly migrants back to their home countries under Title 42. Instead, they are typically freed in the United States to seek asylum or other forms of legal status, such as work visas. It basically means we don't have the time, money, resources to send everyone back to where they came from if they don't come from those, like if we literally can't just send them back into Mexico. And the countries that are most affected by this, and again, because our relations are so terrible, Cuba, Venezuela, that's why all of these immigrants that we're talking about in Martha's Vineyard were from Venezuela, because Venezuela has a dictator that we don't get along with that we helped put in power, just like Cuba, Colombia, 
and Nicaragua. That's why all of the immigrants that we're seeing come over recently are all from those countries. And they're not Mexican or Guatemalan or Honduran or Salvadorian. What about Title 42? Biden got rid of it. Why are we still talking about it? The only part of Title 42 that has changed is on March 12, 2022, the CDC announced it was dropping Title 42 for unaccompanied children because, uh, you know, kids in cages, which is terrible. It's terrible for us to do this to anybody. Say, it's it's but, basically like, you know, evil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Title 42 was set to actually end on May 23rd, 2022. And that passed already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was announced on April 1st. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> That was until a Trump-appointed federal judge in Louisiana blocked it from being lifted on the grounds that it violated administrative procedure laws by not being submitted for public comment. Okay. This lawsuit was brought by Texas AG Ken Paxton. I'm sure he had a really good reason why. And it just goes to show, talk about hypocrisy, the same people who say that public concerns about health due to COVID are overblown and any safety measures whatsoever are unnecessary and un-American also believe that all entry by immigrants into the country should be blocked due to the possible spread of COVID. It's so dangerous we can't let anyone into our country but also don't do anything about it inside the country. If you do, you're a dirty commie. I'm hearing some subtext and it's just a bunch of racial slurs. So in fact, Title 42 remains in effect while the decision is under appeal. Okay. What we were kind of getting at before, this is just a response to Joe Biden flying and busing immigrants to Republican states in the middle of the night. That was a huge talking point for these Republican governors, just, even though, again, this would be sharing the burden, right? I say literally just like what happened with the Freedom <laughs> Riders. It's, it's what they were asking for, right? Well, as Joe kind of talked about already, that's not true. No, not really. According to PolitiFact, the federal government transports adult detainees in its custody from one facility to another or from one U.S. city to another during deportation proceedings. Correct. Much like if you go to a federal prison, you might not go to the state that you're from. You might get transported around the country. That's not, oh, they're they're busing criminals across the country. Well, yeah, because you have to spread it out because the facilities can only hold so many people. And obviously with the border states getting all of the people generally coming in or the most of them, they have to be moved in order to better balance the system. The vast majority of people on the flights are unaccompanied minors who cross the border, requested asylum under immigration law, and are being released from federal custody to a parent or sponsor. And that's what they talk about when they say, oh, they just come and they drop them off here. Yeah, with friends or family that they knew they were coming and were ready for them and are going to care for them. That's the the lie is, oh, they're just dropping them off and leaving them and, and leaving. The reality is that they're leaving them with someone who is going to care for them. Correct. And in response to their own lie, they do the exact same thing as some kind of gotcha, except they do it for real. Yep, quite literally. And also, I want to make this very clear as well, is this is also the same points that they use to talk about the white replacement theory, where you 
you have people who are saying Democrats are intentionally bringing people in across the southern border illegally to try to get them to change voting outcomes and voting demographics in the country. I just want to make that very clear. And that this is their new focus for the midterms. It's always they've been like you said, it was right away at the beginning of the Biden administration. They they really tried to do the whole border crisis well, thing. We, and we, we had an episode it. about yeah, it. Yeah, about Biden's border crisis. Right. And it kind of went in the background and then it was all about gas prices. But now the gas prices are back down again and, and that's not really working as a talking point. They're back on border crisis. So this is what they're going. And they it's good for fear mongering. It scares. Oh, it's great for fear mongering. It appeals to racial attitudes. Right. Yeah. It makes people angry and, uh, you know, ignites that uh, that inner inner racism. And there is record numbers happening at the southern border. There really is. That's not a lie. No, we talked about that in the earlier episode. The thing is, it's not record unlawful entries. That occurred in the early and mid-2000s under liberal President George W. Bush. What there are are a record number of apprehensions at the border. We set a record in 2021 at 1.66 The previous record was in the mid-2000s at 1.64, and we have already passed that total for 2022, and we're currently over 2 million. The number can be somewhat misleading, as many have been apprehended multiple times, uh, specifically if you're from you know one of the four countries that you're just released back into Mexico. Obviously, not much to stop you from trying, trying again. Back, yeah. So that number isn't necessarily like over 2 million people apprehended, but over 2 million apprehensions. And also, why are there so many people coming to the border? Well, Fox News is constantly broadcasting that the border is wide open and our president is just letting everyone in. No matter who you are, how many you bring with you, everyone is welcome. Joe Biden, horrible, open borders. Joe Biden letting all the immigrants into the United States. All the immigrants coming in. Well, Fox News is carried all throughout Central and South America. So if you're hearing this on the TV or someone tells you what they heard, why wouldn't you try for a better life if you're being told that you can just walk right in? Well, and what's even worse is that there's also influential people who are intentionally trafficking people from those countries to the United States and using Fox News and conservative talking points as evidence to convince people to leave those countries to come here. And Jason kind of talked about this a little bit ago, but I just want to reiterate, why is this happening? Well, first and foremost, we have to remember cruelty's the point. The whole point of this entire thing is to be cruel. The idea of wanting to help immigrants or to help migrants. And remember, these are not just like people who just crossed illegally. These are asylum seekers. They're being spread out all throughout intentionally to liberal cities to make a point. And they did it intentionally without letting anyone know to cause as much chaos as possible hurting tons of lives in the process just to make some weird political quip. So if you ever hear your Uncle Frank or conservative Aunt Kathy talk about how this is actually about illegals at the southern border and this is up making a point for Democrat hypocrisy, you have to tell them that cruelty is the point and that conservatives and Republicans today are literally mimicking the same things that conservatives were using back in the day in 1960s with black people and the reverse freedom riders. What's that saying if you don't learn from your history? History, you're doomed to repeat it. And trust us, Republicans don't know their history because they hate teaching it. And they make it illegal to teach it. Quite literally. But why are they doing this if that's the point? Well, like Jason said, this is a political strategy. 
This is the exact same thing that happened in 2018 with the Migrant Caravan. I talked about this a little bit earlier. You saw it on Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson every single day about updates of the Migrant Caravan. You heard Donald Trump talking about the Migrant Caravan every single day. And it's because even though a lot of states don't actually have to deal with immigration issues and border issues, there's way more racial resentment for people who come up through the southern border in northern states in the country. Wisconsin's a great example of this exact thing where people who have absolutely nothing to do with the border hold the most racial resentment for people who are trying to cross it. Like, except the Canadian border, but they don't talk about that one. Well, and literally, Tim Michaels, the Republican running for governor right now, is running on an immigration or anti-immigration platform trying to build the wall. For Wisconsin governor, the whole point is they have nothing else to talk about. Abortion is not going their way at all, as we talked about earlier in the episode. The economy is getting better. In fact, there's a lot of things that are happening that they can clearly see where gas prices are going down, just like Jason said, and they need something to latch onto. And they know when they have nothing else at their disposal, they go back to racism. And you can't even argue anymore that this is unintentional because they know that this strategy works with their base and that is why they are using it. So your racist relatives and friends are literally being played just like the racists back in the 1960s were, only to get political power and blame Democrats and so more division and hostility in our country. That is the point. That is the whole reason why this exists. There is nothing more to it than that. And if any person tells you otherwise, show them this episode and tell them they are lying to you. And at best, they are being lied to. This is inhumane. This is unethical. And like Jason said, I'm, I'm with him. I don't really have a concept of evil, but this is as close to thing as evil as I can get. And it's un-American. We are all immigrants. And we've talked about it before, but when the majority of the immigration in the United States happened in the 1890s, all you needed to do was not have a communicable disease. And you were allowed entry into the United States. You were not granted citizenship, but you were free to find employment and make a better life for your children. And your children would become citizens. And that's exactly what millions of people from all over the world did. And I'm even okay with saying in admitting that immigration issues are super complicated and that the vast majority of people, including us, Jason, do not understand the nuances of them. I am perfectly acceptable admitting that. This is not that. Not by a long shot. This is pure cruelty, just for the sake of being cruel, to gain political advantage based on people's racial resentment of people who don't look like them. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. And he just comes in with a battering ham. Battering ham? Battering ham. A battering ham. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Because I, I got a whole thing. I, we I, can't I, say Little Mermaid yet. Okay. The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs>